this week on The Startup Life. The difference between an entrepreneur and a entrepreneur mm-hmm. is that a, most entrepreneurs are business virgins. All right, Startup Nation. So this week's episode was done a little bit differently. Now, we have Bronson Perich, our first international entrepreneur on the show, and we did it over Skype. Now, there's a few spots in the episode where we sound a little auto-tune. However, there is still great value in this episode. It's not in the, over the entire episode. It's just a few spots. But I wanted to set the expectation before this week's episode started. So without further ado, let's take flight with Bronson Peerage, author and serial entrepreneur. The startup life begins now. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother. Scholars, are you ready to join the 25 plus club? Parents, how does thousands in college savings sound? Brand new in our school, the Owl Academy, we have released How to Hack the ACT. Students will cover managing test anxiety, math, science reasoning, and why eating a good breakfast is so important. For more information, go to this episode's show notes for the link. All right, Startup Nation, so I hope you're ready to receive some value today. Today, we're going to make a little bit of history. We got our first international entrepreneur, man. One of America, my man Bronson. How's it going, Bronson? Doing good, doing good, Dominic. Doing cool, good. Cool, cool, man. Now my man Bronson's from the future, as far as I'm concerned, because he's over there in New Zealand, and so he was uh, nice enough to pour some knowledge in the startup nation for us. You ready to do that for us, man? Take flight with us. I'm good. I'm I'm good. All right, yeah. cool. So let's do this, man. So what's the story, man? Tell us the story about how your path to entrepreneurship has been. Cool. So um, not not to be a dig at you, but I mm-hmm. I believe that I would never call myself an entrepreneur. Okay. Okay. But if someone calls me the E word, then I am, uh, then I take that as a token of respect. Absolutely. Because there's entrepreneurs, people mm. that talk about business but never do it. Right. And then there's just entrepreneurs that have done it repeatedly over time. Gotcha. I think time is the ultimate test of entrepreneurship. If you're still in the game at age 40, 50, 60, 70, you're the real deal. It's just like how if I if I fall into a swimming pool that doesn't make me an Olympic swimmer. Fair enough. Fair enough. That makes sense. You know? I got you. All right. But if I if I fall into a swimming pool and I can get out without drowning or without calling emergency assistance and I'm keeping my head above water, then then I'm just a swimmer. Okay. So that's how I see myself in business. I'm just a swimmer. Uh, I've tried a lot of things and I've failed in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But I guess to be specific to answer to your question, so my journey really started um, back in the day, and it's always that book, Rich Dad Poor Dad. I hear that. So one of my best friends read it, and then he started on his thing, and then I read it, and I was like, I like what this book teaches. Um, coming from a um, minority, um, low socioeconomic point of view, I was like, you know, man, I can wait for justice, gotcha. or I can just go and get what's mine. I hear that. So I, I saw business as a way to get what what's rightfully ours, as opposed to just waiting for government. I guess in the United States, um, black folks you'll call reparations. Right. In New Zealand, we call it compensation. Compensation. You know, because okay. yeah, as a native, we've had um, land stolen, um, mm. confiscated off us. We've um, you know, well, I'll tell it to you like this. You know, 200 years ago, my native language, Māori, was the number one language in New Zealand. Now, less than 10% of the 4 million people in this country can speak with any level of fluency. 
Oh wow! Yeah. So, um, if you look at the story of the native uh, of the natives in the United States, mm-hmm. it's our story. You Fair know, enough. we've had we've had outstanding rock. We've had our Dakota pipelines, mm-hmm. except we weren't fortunate enough to have oil on our lands. Gotcha. But our, our lands, yeah. But it's the same thing. And so, growing up as as a as a Maori, that's what we call ourselves. That's our ethnic group in New Zealand. You know, you grow up with a lot of hate. You grow up with a lot of anger. And I realized that if we're going to talk about the economics of our situation, then we got to learn the game. Fair enough. You're absolutely right about that, Bronson. You're absolutely you know, right we about that. You got to learn how to play it. I mean, I can't wait. I can't wait for the government to give me money. And you know, I come from um, several tribes that have received hundreds of millions of dollars in compensation. You know, and I've been a small beneficiary to that because I was able to use that tribal compensation to help me finance my education. Mm-hmm. You know, to help me out. Right. But I can't wait for that. You know, gotcha. we can't wait. So, Fair enough. You know, when I rich dad poor dad inspired me and so um when i was age um when i was 19 i left to um live in australia for two years i was a um i did two years of voluntary service for my church as a uh, traveling minister and then i came back home and then i was like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna try this business thing i'm gonna try it so went to university and then the first thing that i did was that i started reselling so okay. yeah, I had a friend of mine, he um he ran a computer business from home. So I just came up to him and I said, Look, man, can I buy a few jump drives off you so I can resell them to, to students? Gotcha. So that was my thing. And then I started selling on, on our local auction website in New Zealand Trade Me. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking, Yeah, man, this thing could really take off. And so um while I was going to university, I did a, a side business course. Um, okay. doing nights just to try and um, upscale my knowledge on this and by the end of the course I realized that the business was untenable gotcha. <laughs> I realized gotcha. that it was and what I realized is that in the resale game and I, I intend to make a lot more content about this mm-hmm. the resale game is so hard I'll make, I'm going to make some predictions right now okay. right? And go for it I hope, I hope that people are going to be throwing rocks at me in 10 years or they're going to be saying <laughs> that I was right, right? Gotcha. right? Gotcha. I'm going to say it right now and this is based on my, my experiences as a reseller. Mm-hmm. I believe that in 10 years, the majority of people that are dealing through Amazon FBA will no longer be in the game. Yep. And I'm going to say 90% of the people that are in Am- that are doing Amazon FBA right now will have moved on to something else. Gotcha. Right? I believe that within the next five years, eBay will become irrelevant. And I, and I invite the world to test me on that. Okay. Because the reason that I pulled out of the computer electronics retail game is that I realized that, one, I would never have the capital to be able to bulk buy. Okay. Because it's, it's all about being able to go to a supplier, distributor, manufacturer and saying, I want a pallet. How much for a pallet? And then once you're able to support that type of business, you go to them again and say, how many for 10 pallets? It's a numbers game. And right. if it's a numbers game, it's all about how much finance you've got. It's all about how much bank you got. And I didn't have either. I was a student. So. Got you. Fair you know. So that was, that was the end of my side hustle. You know, I closed that company down and then – uh, I played around with network marketing, mm-hmm. um, and I realized that it failed because I failed. Mm. Um, there's probably a lot of 
there's a lot of people that are making net money out of network marketing and i think you know a real important thing to make note of is that everyone's hating on betsy devos right now right right and you with you being in, uh, heavily involved in education mm-hmm. i think she deserves every rock that she's g- getting thrown at her <laughs> gotcha <laughs> okay right right but no one is making the connection that the devos family are the founders of amway right that's true that is I, true i i know this because i am an amway ibo even to this day right. even though I, i'm not actively building an amway business i'm mm-hmm. part of the amway family gotcha and nobody and so i hear people saying network marketing doesn't make you money tell that to betsy devos right that's true that's true <laughs> you know that's very true right and, <laughs> yeah, I hate people say Amway's not a real business. Tell that to Betsy DeVos. Absolutely. You know, if you ever meet her, you look her dead in the eye, and if she doesn't walk away laughing, it's because she was in a good mood. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I'm one of those network marketing failures, and it was uh, I realized because it just wasn't me. Gotcha. Now, um, then I, I went to work for another electronics retailer because obviously computer electronics is one of the things I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. And then um, 2011, I met the lady that I would eventually marry. And it, it went like this. One day I got to work. I was um, – some stuff went down. I'm actually legally obligated not to discuss this. I have a non-disclosure agreement with my former employer. But how's this, man? I'm going to get married in October, and I got fired in September. Oh, wow. So – yeah, here I am, you know, one moment I'm making, I'm on my way to make, you know, 40,000 New Zealand dollars a year. That's mm-hmm. about the, the standard salary for what someone that I do gets. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's commission, It's a lot of it is commission, so it's all about how much you move. And so right. if I had kept on doing what I was doing, I would have done the best sales year in the company, mm-hmm. and I would have made about 35, 40 New Zealand. So that's about 30, um, 30 30 US. Gotcha. Right? I have no job. And I, I call up a friend of mine who runs a commission sales company. He's a reseller agent for one of our telecommunications companies in New Zealand called Two Degrees. Mm-hmm. I call him up and I'm like, I'm ready to pull that favor in, man. Can I come work for you? Gotcha. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, whatever you need. You know, I mean, we know each other from way back. And I tell you, right, in two months, I sell two contracts. It was horrible. And mm. looking back, I realized it was because I was so down on myself. Uh, we had so little resources that I couldn't quite do what I needed to do to succeed in commission sales. Gotcha. And then a couple of months later, a friend of mine gets me a minimum wage job working in a supermarket. And I thank him to this day. I want to put it out there so that the universe knows. Dan Graham, still loving you, still thankful for you. You I had my that. back when no one else I hear that. You know, when I was down and out, he had my back. So he was like, hey, come to, come see my boss on such and such a day, right? And so I put another name out there, Mark Burt. He's uh, the greatest butcher in the universe, um, and he, he gave me a chance. And so while I was stacking shelves in a supermarket, um, it was depressing because mm-hmm. here I am being a sales a, a sales rep and you go to being in a supermarket. You go from being a person that uses his mind on a regular basis to being a minimum wage automaton. You know, I heard this. I remember standing at work one day and then something inside of me just said, you don't know why you're here, hmm. but God knows why you're here. There's a reason he's brought you here. If you are humble, you will learn something and you'll be better off for being here. Or you can just sink into self-pity. So what you're gonna do? You're gonna go to work, or you're gonna get, or you're gonna feel sorry for yourself. And I made that that decision that day. I was like, no, nah, I'm gonna put in work. And that. then about three, four months later, I got my first client, 
And then four months later, I left that job. Right. And so I, I guess to answer the question, I'll go along about that. So um, in New Zealand supermarkets, you have these people called demonstrators. So they will be hired by various entities to come in and show people um, how how a particular food product is served, give away samples, convince people to buy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. I saw – I know what you're talking about, yeah. So, yeah, so that's – I saw people doing that and I was like, you know, a Maori boy from Topo from a small country town, I, I can do that. I know how to do that. Gotcha. And so what it did is that I made a mental list of all the different food brands that were struggling in my department. Mm-hmm. And then I made up my mind that I was going to approach those food brands, put my hand up and just say, look, your demonstrators, if they did have them, suck. You need me. <laughs> I got you. And that was, that was my sales pitch. Right. Or if they, if they didn't have one, I was going to say – you live X amount of miles away from these retail stores that are shifting your product. I live 15 minutes away. You need me. And that was my sales pitch. I hear that. Um, and that's pretty much how it started. I mean, I, I can go on all about this, man. Like I, I can gotcha. go right in deep. I don't know if that's going to work. Uh, well, um, but, uh, <laughs> well, we definitely want to get to some of the other questions, man. But I, 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 that's why I knew you were content rich, dude. I knew you were content rich. So I wasn't really worried about the content. So... But uh, sweet ass, uh, I'll I'll give you like a couple minutes snippet on sure. it. So what happens? September um 2012, my man says to me, I need to swap a shift with you, and I'm and I notice on that shift that he was coming, there was a particular man traveling up from Christchurch. So Christchurch would be about maybe 800 to a thousand kilometers away from where I am. Right? Mm-hmm. He's gonna come up and he's gonna do a demonstration on his food product. Now, this food product was struggling. It was an award winner, but nobody was buying it, right? Gotcha. And we were throwing away more food than what we were selling. So he comes, and he sells more food in six hours than we do in a month. Oh, wow. And then I'm sitting back, uh, and I'm talking with him. I'm helping him get cleaned up after his demonstration. And he says to me, I'm, th- I'm, I'm thinking of looking for a contractor to come do this um, because this isn't going to be practical for me, traveling up from Christchurch. And I was like – I'll do it. Gotcha. And he's like, are you serious? Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. And so that was my very first client. So it was – this business was basically this, right? Mm-hmm. I would go to uh, I would go to a supermarket. I'd fire up a barbecue. I would serve these sausages, and I would move product. I hear that. Right? So that was it. So And I would, and I would charge him an hourly rate for it. Um, gotcha. Long story short – Within um, four months, due to great support from my employer, my employer was so supportive. I thought they were going to fire me for what I was doing, mm-hmm. but they just looked at me and said, well, whenever you need work, you just give us a yell. Gotcha. <laughs> so what happened is that my boss's boss ended up um, recommending me to a whole lot of struggling food brands. And because he was the store manager that overlooked these brands, he was saying, look, okay, you're not selling product. You're not – you're not helping us to move product, but I know a guy who's going to help you. Here's his phone number. So Got that's that's how we that's how we did business. Mm-hmm. And then you know, September 2011, I scored my first client. October, sorry, September 2012. So mm-hmm. October 2012, I did my first job. January 2013, I quit my job. Gotcha. And I and I just and I just dove into it like full time. And so um, let's see. February 2016 is when we closed down operations for the company. 
and I went back to work. I wrote, I, I wrote my, I released my book, Purple Cowburgers. Talk more about that later. Right. And then, yeah, so that's what I do now. I, I work full time. Um, I'm going back to the plantation, so to speak, and I write books. <laughs> gotcha. <I> mean <laughs> gotcha. So, yeah. Gotcha. So that's why I say I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm just a dude who I fell into the swimming pool and my head's still above water. And I just, you know, I, I can swim 50 meters without needing an ambulance. Well, I mean, I I would disagree, man. I, I would call that, entrepreneur, you know, uh, at the very least, an entrepreneurial spirit. But I, I consider that an entrepreneur, man. It's one of those things where you're, you know, you're uh, you're doing something and you're betting on yourself, man. It's like, and, and not everybody's willing to do that, even if they have certain like securities or safety nets right so i consider you an entrepreneur and i hope i'm not um i hope i'm oh, not man, uh... that's that's uh, i appreciate that i appreciate that because it takes one to see one so thank you so much Fair enough. and, and I, I hope i'm not like disrespecting you by calling you one but i i no, see you no, no, no. <laughs> uh, I, I take that i take that as a token of respect I, I just you know i know that in my tendencies to be a little cocky and arrogant that i never assume the title but if someone wants to give me the crown i will wear it even <laughs> if it gets ripped off my head three seconds later <laughs> gotcha nah well i won't be ripping it off man i won't be ripping it off <laughs> So uh, let me ask you this, uh, whether it be, you know, Purple Cow Burgers or the book or or just all your other entrepreneurial uh, activities, uh, what do you wish you would have known before you started them? Great. So when I started my reselling business, Mm -hmm. I wish someone had sat me down and said, boy, no matter what, do not borrow. I hear that. See, because I hear that. You know, that's the first lesson. When you're in startup mode, do not borrow. So one of the causes of failures of that first initial resale gig was that I, I took a student overdraft out to, to get a whole lot of inventory. Mm, gotcha. I never moved that inventory, man. Gotcha. I ended up with 600 bucks worth of stuff that I didn't even need or want. So over time, I would use it. I'd give a bit of it away to friends. And, gotcha. Uh, it was just it was silly. So I think that's the first thing, you know, if you're in startup mode, you do not borrow. Gotcha. You know, you, if you, you, yeah, I mean, uh, I think that's the first thing. Do not borrow under any circumstances. I hear that. However, right. Once you have money coming in, you may need some form of finance. So, um, in the case of my demonstration business, mm-hmm. after a few I feel like the first or second year, a good friend of mine, he became my financier. Okay. So because, so just to give you an idea of how we how we worked in the demonstration business, you charge by the hour and you give terms on your invoices. So chances are, um, your invoices will be paid anywhere between net seven to like net sixty. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So. Um, I used to charge net twenty. That was one of the biggest mistakes I ever did. Um, I realized, you know, in the in the third, I think second or third year, that I should be doing net seven. So okay. I, I started off, I started off net twenty, and then I would factor out my invoices. So I would sell my invoices to a friend of mine, and he would give me back ninety percent, mm-hmm. right? And then my clients would pay him. Gotcha. So you know, don't borrow to start. But borrow to keep going if you need. Does that, that make sense? No, that makes complete sense. No, I, I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. You might need short-term finance. If you need short-term finance, there's no problem. There's no shame in it. And there's plenty of lenders that if you meet their criteria will b- gladly sell you some money. And that's the second point that I move on to. When you need finance, you are not doing anybody a favor. 
but the way that the majority of banks and financiers market to you is that they're they're trying to say, hey, you need money, we got money, we're going to help you. It's like they are not helping you; they are selling you a product. Right, it's true. Right, it's very. It's like you you walk into the convenience store. We call them dairies here in New Zealand. I know that's what you call farm. So you walk into the dairy, you buy a can of Coke, right? Because you're thirsty. The the owner of that dairy, he's not doing you a favor. He's selling you a product. Right. And uh, when you, I think that, you know, when people look for finance, they need to have that in their mind. They are not borrowing the money. They are buying the money. Therefore, they are the customer. Therefore, they have the power. That's very powerful, man. Thanks for sharing that. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Yeah, especially for minorities, we should never feel ashamed about having to borrow money to keep a business afloat if the numbers don't, if the numbers agree. I hear that. You know? I hear that. You know? I mean, if the, if the numbers don't agree, then the best thing you can do is cry to the IRS, you know, get as much time as you need. Because <laughs> gotcha. you know, I'm actually in that process right now with my New Zealand company, with my demonstration business. I've got some IRS troubles. Mm-hmm. We call it the IRD. And gotcha. um, so there's some problems with my paperwork. So I've got to work that out with them. Gotcha. And so, yeah, that's the, yeah, I think that is one of the most important things. When you, you do not borrow money, you buy it. And the third thing that I wish someone had told me was, you suck at numbers. <laughs> you suck. Fair enough, man. You need someone. You need someone that doesn't suck with the numbers to do the numbers. Got you. Got you. And, you know, and I, and that 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 applies in all aspects of business. If you're not good at it, unless you're like Lori Greener, who just does everything. Right. She, you know, you have look at her as an entrepreneur. She's amazing. Right. But if you're just average Joe like me. I don't know if you're average, but I am. I call myself average, if you suck though. At it, if you suck, don't do it. Right. Fair enough. We, we, <laughs> you know, we, either get a, yeah. No, we, we talk all the time about hiring your weakness. So, no, man, that's a great that's a great point that you bring up, man. I appreciate that. I was just going to say, I have lost thousands of dollars because of those three things. Fair enough. Fair enough. Thank just you. For, thank yep. you. And I, and I think that that's a great value that somebody in Startup Nation can actually uh, – learn from so what did you learn from your biggest failure the number one thing that i learned from my demonstration business going down mm-hmm. it's okay to jump i hear that okay i did what I did what, I did what steve harvey told me to do right right here's the thing though when you jump you have to have your parachute on your back i hear that see what i See, what I did, because I was in a minimum wage situation, what I should have done was quit my job and then go to a part-time job that I could use to supplement building the business. Gotcha. But But I was, in, I was in business romance. I was in love with the business. Ah, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. So I, I was looking at it emotionally because this was my first full-time business, and I thought it was going to save me. I thought it was going to be the beginning and end all. Right. I didn't. You know, and because uh, because numbers are my weakness, and I, so the main thing would be get your numbers independently tested, and until the until you can you are able to pay yourself a salary from your job, mm-hmm. from your business, sorry, you will still need a job. And the benchmark is your business needs to be able to adequately pay you the same salary 
is what you have in whatever job that you're quitting. Absolutely. We, me and Kendall, we talk about that all the time. So that that's a very yep. important piece that you share, man. I appreciate that. When I when I do the numbers now, I realize that in New Zealand, what you're able to do is that um, you can take what are called drawings, right? So a business owner can take segments of money out of the business and they're written off as like he's just taking money from the business. Mm-hmm. As long as you do the accounting to cover it, it's perfectly legal. Right? right and so i was living what a lot of people do when they're in startup mode in new zealand they live off drawings and so um they still have to pay tax on those drawings but um they're not taxed as income to the person they're taxed as business money right mm. and so a, a lot of people live on drawings and i and i look at all the drawings that i made it probably worked out to be about the minimum wage if not just under the minimum wage but i think the most important thing is is that you know you have to be able to your numbers have to be able to say to you loud and clear, I can afford to pay you away. If they don't, then whether it's, you know, delivering pizzas, throwing newspapers, that's something that I did, you know, mm-hmm. during my business years. If it means you've got to, I don't know, clean toilets at night, you got you have to have that second job. Startup Nation, basically what he's saying is don't fall victim to business romance because a lot of times, and, and I, I've been guilty of this as well, where, you get so wrapped up in the the ambiance that is entrepreneurship, the ambiance that is owning your own business and being, you know, uh, having the freedom and uh, setting your own hours and stuff like that, that sometimes you kind of lose that practicality, if you will. So, no, I, that's I, right. I, right. That's right. And, and so yep. I, I appreciate you sharing that, man. That's very important for uh, Startup Nation and any other aspiring entrepreneur to know, man. So thank you so much. Let me ask you this. And I, I kind of know a little bit about how you go about professional development because I know you read a ton, like a ton. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So yep. <laughs> explain the Startup Nation, yep. man. Like what does professional development mean to you? And like what other aspects of professional development do you kind of undertake? Sure. In our language, in the Maori language, we have – a, a proverb and it's and, and I'll say it in my language and I'll translate it. It says, What it means is this a bird that eats fruit belongs to the forest. Okay. The bird that eats knowledge owns the world. I hear that. I, I probably won't yeah, be so. able to say it in the native language, but I'm gonna steal that. <laughs> oh, go ahead, man. You go ahead. And hey, I'll put it out to you in writing. And as long as you put the words Maori proverb, Fair you enough. can do whatever you want with Fair it. Enough. Love. Fair enough. I'll you do know, that. That's a value. Like as children, we hear it at school. You know, mm-hmm. like Maori school teachers will be like, are you going to be the bird that eats knowledge? Or are you going to be the bird that plays PlayStation? You know? Oh, <laughs> right. Absolutely. You know, so. That's that is a very like Maori school teachers they 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 press that upon us so that those are the values I grew up with as a kid now um so uh, so that's the philosophical approach gotcha um <laughs> and also the spiritual approach is that God is knowledge mm-hmm. God has knowledge I want to be like Him because He created me and I don't think He created me to be stupid Fair so enough. I want to I want to be I want to be as much like my Creator as possible. And that involves just soaking up knowledge. I have to, you know, because he knows everything, you know. And so I want to be like him because, like I said, when he made me, I don't think the word stupid was in his mind. I don't believe that. If it was, then, 
Yeah, and so I think that knowledge is our birthright. That's my spiritual, my philosophical approach. The practical approach is, is that I am an obsessive bookworm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't even know how many books I read in a year, man. Um, exactly. I read light stuff just to keep my mind. I, I read the Bible. I read the Book of Mormon. Um, I read um, books from other religions. Right. I, I just – if there's something that I need to improve on – I will find a book that addresses that thing that I need to improve and I will read it. But um, I read in a real different way because when I read a book, if I get to a point that I cannot apply the knowledge that is in that book, I don't read it until I don't keep reading until I've done that thing. Okay. Because I've, and so that's why like at any given time, I'm probably reading two or three different books because I've, I've gotten to a point where I have not yet applied that thing. Gotcha. And so um, for me to complete a book means that I've applied everything that I can from that book and then move on. And so um, there is – how would you say? There's, there's reading and there's doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and th- there's, a, there's a term that I use. Um, there's business virgins. And uh, without getting X-rated, you know, we're adults <laughs> and can say this, right? Gotcha. That there are uh, people that talk about sex and then there's just people that have sex. Fair enough. And it's the same within business. There are people that talk about business, and then there's just people that do it. Fair enough. And what you'll find, yeah, it's that um, we need to move. The difference between an entrepreneur and a entrepreneur mm-hmm. is that a, most entrepreneurs are business virgins. They're those guys in the locker room, you know, hypoth- I guess metaphorically speaking. Mm-hmm. They're in the Facebook locker room talking about business, talking about stocks, talking about this and that. It's like, Kaz, show me your portfolio. Oh, that's right. You don't have one. <laughs> Fair enough. You do? No, man, you're absolutely and, right, man. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. And so it's a, it's not just about soaking up knowledge for the sake of knowledge. It's about finding the knowledge that's going to help you get to that next level in your personal development, and you define that by your goals. Gotcha. Uh, you know, yeah. You, you make the goals, you make the objectives, and then you find the knowledge, and then you find gurus. You know, like people you know or people that know people you know you know networks to help you achieve your goals and and your challenges does that help with it i mean oh, no I no absolutely absolutely that no no that, yeah, i got it no, and i think it's very valuable the startup nation i think they'll get that as well so no thank you so much um yeah. let me ask this next question now this next question here in the states and, I, and you may have um a different approach because you're there in New Zealand, but let's, let's just go for it. So some say, you know, in order to be successful as an entrepreneur, you need like a degree networking contact, stuff like that. And some people just say you just need, you know, work ethic and a dream. So Bronson, what say you, man? Here's the, here's the thing. As long as you are applying what you know, and as long as you are constantly striving to know more, it doesn't matter what university gave you that knowledge. Doesn't matter what book. Doesn't matter if 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 your mother was the smartest person she knew and she taught you everything. It's about knowing and applying, because there are plenty of people with degrees that have done nothing with their lives. Fair enough. There are and there are plenty of high school dropouts or university dropouts, you know, Bill Gates, right. that have gone on to great things. But then there's most of us in the middle that either have a degree or have not, and we're still doing nothing. Fair enough. It's it's all about us. It's a man doesn't make the degree, you know. A degree doesn't make a man. It's right. what a person does. And if a person says, you know, all I know how to do is sweep a floor, and then they end up um, creating the largest cleaning business in their country, and what? Right. 
you know it's <laughs> I, I think I, to me it's one of those um, without disrespecting the question without disrespecting you I think people that waste time um, debating the um, that question mm-hmm. it's like asking a dog why do you chase your tail don't expect a legible answer don't expect an answer that matters <laughs> right i mean the dog is going to be a dog right and so what you know people there are plenty of people with degrees that are living under their potential there are plenty of people without degrees that are living under their potential so yeah it's it's all about so to go back to the question and give it as a one-liner mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what you know it matters what you do and it matters what you are going to do to do the things that you can't I hear that. I hear that. And, and I don't think yeah. I don't think that's disrespectful at all, man. I think it's only disrespectful if uh, you didn't give your honest opinion about it. So if that's your honest hey, opinion, appreciate it. If that's your honest that's opinion, honest man, opinion, man, man. Uh, then, then, yep. then that's cool, that's, man. That's cool. Yeah. All right. So yeah. last question before we go uh, into break. Uh, what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? What's the worst? Best piece of advice was in the form of a hint. Now, you're a married man and you know that, that women speak this language called hint. Mm-hmm. Now, so, now, and it doesn't matter whether it's spoken in English and Hebrew or right. what. It's a it's a language where a woman is trying to tell you what she wants without actually part- articulating it. I, so I, I, I know, I, yeah, I know this language well. I'm not very fluent in it, but I know this language <laughs> that's well. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and it is the challenge of every married man to have at least a rudimentary knowledge in this language. Yep. So the best piece of advice that I was given when my wife wife said to me while she wasn't my wife at the time and she said to me you haven't asked me to marry you Hmm. okay all right (laughs) and then i said well you know i didn't want to come across strong you know what i'm saying baby and then she goes but you haven't asked me i proposed five years later we're good gotcha (laughs) so i think that was the best piece of advice that i ever got gotcha and the the worst advice off the top of my head right now is you gotta have money to make money i hear that i think that is i think that is a barrier i think it limits your way of thinking and it's very Um, cliche as well right that's right it's very cliche it is I, I want to replace it and one of the things I'm actively trying to do is replace it with this cliche and I want this to be so cliche that people can't stand it don't let your lack hold you back I hear that yeah and, and that's a hashtag that you use that I, I love a lot by the way yeah. that you use a yeah. lot and it means so much you're right man my, my great grandmother she grew up in a dirt floor hut she had 14 children one of those 14 children was my grandmother who grew who grew up in very humble circumstances mm-hmm Generationally, my family keeps improving in what we have. I hear that. And I think that if my great-grandmother, who was brought up in that dirt floor hut, had have concentrated on what she didn't have as opposed to what she had to do. Absolutely. She would, it's, we have to get that, especially from us as minorities. Mm-hmm. Don't let our lacks hold us back because it's our lack that's actually our fire. And that. that's, you know, when Damon John talks about the power of broke. Right. So for me... I believe the power of broke is your lack. What is it that you lack? That's where your fire is. That's where your power is. That's where your motivation is. I appreciate that, man. Very powerful stuff. Very powerful stuff. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. How you like being on the startup life, man? Oh, man. You, you got me addicted, man. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm going to be messaging you every few days, man. Hey, you want to do another podcast? <laughs> no. Want to do another podcast? No. Uh, uh, do you, you need advice on something? I can be your guest speaker. 
Mika, I, I get why you love doing this, man. Absolutely. Oh, how'd you come up with the idea for it all? Well, th- to be honest with you, man, if I can be perfectly honest with you, this is what happened. So I, you know, I, if you remember, I used to write those uh, those blogs. I used to post in the chrysalis, right? And so that's right. That's and, right. And so what happened was, Kenda would edit them. And so after a while, and sometimes like. Well, most of the time, my brain is working faster than I can type or write or whatever the case may be. So I hear you. I hear you. So there's tons of grammatical errors, just just all over the place, <laughs> right? Just all over the place. And and so Kenda, being the uh, the the writer, I mean not the writer, but the educator that she is, red mark, red mark, red mark, red mark, all over the place, red mark, red mark, red mark. And she, after a while, she's like, you know what? I, I'm not doing this anymore. You need to start do something else. And here we are with the startup life, the podcast. So I can edit it myself. I can take stuff out. Uh, there's no red, no more red marks, no more nice sweats of waking up the red marks on the paper and stuff like that. So that's how we came up with the, the idea for it, man. Oh, man, that is that that's the thing. You got to play to your strengths, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so you know, and, and your wife called it, right? And, uh, you know, his, my wife named our last company. Gotcha. So, Kakano is the Maori word for seed, right? Mm-hmm. And so we called it Kakano Seed Limited. One, because we're small, and two, because we help other small businesses to grow. Gotcha. And she named that, and I think that every once in a while now, you and Kendra, you know, you've got going on, and I think that obviously she is the master of the business, right? Oh, she absolutely She's is. The queen. Yeah, and she runs it, you know. And I, I wanted my wife and I to be like that, mm-hmm. but then I realized that business isn't really my wife's thing. She just has gotcha. a golden heart. She doesn't give a damn about money, right? You know, and so I realized that she won't be my business partner. But because she's my life partner, she'll have a lot of good insights into business for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. If, if, if that makes sense. No, that makes complete sense. That makes complete sense, man. Yeah. I, I, I'm, you know, uh, Kenda is very much that to me, so I understand that. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break, and you're listening to The Startup Life. If you are a teacher looking for great resources, look no further than Owls e-commerce store on Teachers Pay Teachers, the store name Teaching with Owls. Enjoy great lessons based on short stories from great authors such as Kate Choppin's The Story of an Hour and Edgar Allan Poe's The Mask of the Red Death. And no worries, teachers, all lessons are common core aligned. All right, Startup Nation, so let's continue. So, Bronson, man, let me ask you this. What's a popular misconception about business? And to kind of add to that, uh, where do you think that popular misconception comes from? The most popular misconception about business is that money is evil. Oh, that's a new one. All right. Because people misread the Bible. You know, okay. I hear I hear people say the Bible says money is the root of all evil, and I'm like, I'll wait. Bring it. Look, show me where it says it. I'll wait. <laughs> you calling them on it, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm like, now there is a verse where the Apostle Paul, you know, where, where where the Jewish disciples said that the love of money is the root of all evil. But in other words, you know, and the love of money really is went and greed, right? Right. It's the same kind of greed that caused financial disasters. And so I think that, yeah, so that's the first thing, that money is evil. Money is not evil. Money is like any other tool. A hammer is not evil. 
Right. But I can use it to kill someone, or I can use it to build a house. I hear that. Fair paint, enough. Paint. I mean, but it has no morality, right? Right. Money doesn't have an opinion. It doesn't have an emotion. It doesn't have a morality. So how can it be evil? I hear that. That's fair. That's it, fair. You know, I mean, it. It's like how you know Kevin O'Leary says, "Don't ever cry over money because money will never cry over you." That's true. That's very true. That's very true. So if money can't, if money can't cry, it's because it has no morality. So how can we put a morality on something that doesn't, and then say that it is evil? So no. But so that's the first thing, and then I think that there's a branch of that misconception, and you know you're black, I'm a Maori, so you mm-hmm. can get this. Mm-hmm. That money is only for white folks. Right. right. There is this. And it is linked to the hustler mentality. It is linked to the underdog mentality that many of us uh, minorities have. Mm-hmm. Is that money and is the dumbest thing that we say to ourselves. Because the moment that we say money is for white folks, what we're telling the universe is, is that we don't need any. And then the universe listens and then says, oh, money is only for white folks. Oh, brown folks don't need any. I'll just give it all to the white people. And so we are limiting our minds because we are saying that money is uh, has ethnic restrictions. <laughs> and, then, and then we are trying to consign money with, mor- with moral restrictions. Now, gotcha. I, I believe, you know, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're of the Jewish faith, right? I am. I am. Cool. So you under no, uh, you know, and so you understand the the concept of a creator god with morality, right? Mm-hmm. So he gave man morality so that we could think and choose for ourselves Absolutely. with the hope that we would choose to be like him. Absolutely. And so by choosing to be like him, I think the Hebrew word is kadosh, right? To it be is. holy. To Absolutely. Be yep. And so we're not, but in order to have that opportunity to be holy, we have to have the ability to make decisions. Money can't make decisions. So how can it be evil? Simple logic. No, I'm ranting. <laughs> I, I know that I'm ranting and raving about this, but I, I want people of all ethnicities to know money doesn't have an opinion and money doesn't have an ethnicity. The that. richest man of all time was Mansa Musa. And last time I checked, he did not come from Connecticut. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair. Man, Bronson's is dropping jewels, man. He's dropping jewels. That's, <laughs> it's fair. That's true. That's so true. <laughs> I mean, we're going to continue, man, because I, I feel like you can go all day on cool. that one. I feel like you can go all cool. day on cool. that one. <laughs> nah, that's good. That's good. I think we've made the point, right? Yeah, we definitely <laughs> made the point. <laughs> oh, man. So, let me ask you this, man. I feel like uh, yeah. entrepreneurship truly is a lifestyle and not like a nine to five thing. Can you explain how you feel about that and you know how has entrepreneurship affected your lifestyle? Sure. I mean, I, I could say that it's like the force, you know, it's, it's around ah. us, it binds us and it's in all things. But that. that would just be plain <laughs> silly. But you would get it if I described it like that. Right? I would. I would. I, I so would. I, I, you know, I mean, so, yeah. But what I will say is that, you know, entrepreneurship is a mindset. Mm-hmm. It's like Kung Fu, right? Now, if you break down Kung Fu in Chinese, it means martial skill or military skill. Okay. Right? So you don't know Kung Fu. You have Kung Fu. And so when it comes uh-huh. to entrepreneurship, it's a mindset and it's a set of skills and it's a set of, and it's a set of truths. So you don't 
um, no entrepreneurship, you have it because you do it. Right. 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 It's something that it's, it's a set of governing principles that rule your life. And once you're in it, you can't get out of it. I hear that. I hear that. Yeah. That's I mean, true. Because once because and what you know that once you're in the mindset of entrepreneurship, everything else is weakness. No, yeah. I, I was just going to say, man, because like it, it, it's funny you mention that because me and Kendra talk all the time how when before we started the business and like right after we started the business, we had this one mindset or mind frame, if you will. Right. And then but once we started to go deeper into that rabbit hole, that is entrepreneurship. It's like it's like we were inside the house. We put on like a different shape, a pair of glasses we went outside yep. the house and the world looks totally different. Like it, it's like something yep. we've never seen before asking ourselves, like, have we been on planet earth the whole time? Because like this, this can't be the same life that we, that's had, right. We, no, we've before. So what you're saying, man, I totally get it. I totally get it. Everything else is weakness because you're putting the power in someone else's hands. You're giving someone else the keys to your life. Um, what, well, one of the things that my pastor, my pastor is um, self-employed. So to give you an idea, mm-hmm. in, in my church, pastors are not paid. Okay. Right? So if you're a pastor in my church, you have to have a job. Gotcha. Because the church is not going to pay you a thing. Fair enough. Right? So so my, my, uh, my pastor is actually a DJ and a graphic designer. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so whenever if we're having a dance at our church, you know, like the only reason he won't be DJing is because he's tired. Because he, he, he'll, he'll, he'll want to jump on the decks and do a set. That, that's his mindset. He's like, <laughs> oh, you know, he, he just can't stand still. And he loves what he does for a living. And one of the right. things he said to me is that he said, I believe God wants us to create. I hear that. I definitely hear that, man. Yes, and, absolutely. And he said, you know, being self-employed is an opportunity to create. It is. It so is. That, that, that and that's is. why I say every, that's why everything else is weakness. Gotcha. Fair enough, man. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. I yeah. appreciate that. Let me ask you this. If you had one piece of advice to uh, to share with somebody starting off on that path of entrepreneurship, what would it be? Sell. Sell? Okay. Just sell. No matter what problem you have, it will be resolved by selling up to the first $100,000. All of the problems that a startup will have within the first $100,000 of annual turnover will be resolved by selling. Fair enough. Simple to the point. Just that. <laughs> you know, just sell something. Gotcha. You know, it, and if no one's selling, if no one's buying your product, sell something else. I just that. sell. It's probably it's probably like the most simplest answer we've ever gotten for that one, but it's probably the best answer we've ever gotten for that one. So I appreciate it, man. Uh, no problem. No, let me ask you this, man. Who are your mentors? I've had a lot of different mentors in, in my life, uh, and I'm grateful and I'm blessed to be able to have them. Mm-hmm. I think um, my wife is a mentor. Um, uh, our Heavenly Father, our Creator, He's a mentor to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Jesus Christ is a mentor. My pastor is a mentor. My older brother, um, he is a he's a mentor to me because he calls me out on the BS. I hear that. And, and, you, and you need someone, and you know, and and our wives will do it too. But uh, we need some. Yes. Pastor. 
They absolutely will. You know? <laughs> yes, that's right. Absolutely, you know? that's right. You know, but sometimes we need someone that's not our our spouse to call out on our BS. That's and and my older brother, he fulfills that role. And you know, you, you, yeah, I've had a lot of different pastors been able to give me different advices. I, I'm not one of those guys that will read a book about someone and then and then tell and then call them a mentor. So I, you know, I, I just think you just read and then you know. But mm-hmm. those would be. And also, uh, my uncle who I live with, um, he married my my mum's older sister, gotcha. and so yeah, he's been a great mentor to me. Um, what I find is that uh, mentors, the best mentors, will often have like a very super focused area of expertise, right. and so you go to them for that and nothing else. Yeah, I, I do not think that I think the the best gurus and mentors are ultra specific. Fair enough. Where do you see yourself in five years, man? Self-employed again. I said to my wife with us, I'm winding down the operations of of Carcano Seed Limited, our demonstration business. I said to her, I'm going to do this job thing for five years, but my next business will not be as risky as the last. Well, my next full-time business will not be as risky as the last. So um, in five years, to be specific, so hopefully I've written more books. Um, I'm working on three more e-books to be released this year, and um, I will be releasing an online course this year, um, um, and it's called Don't Let Your Lack Hold You Back, Uh, my my five-step business game plan. Um, towards helping people create a business from nothing. Okay. And so I've, I'm, in this age, um, because digital information products are so easy to produce, mm-hmm. that's where I'm going to be for a while. So I'm going to be in that digital marketing space. And then um, there could be another opportunity that comes my way. Gotcha. And so with that in mind, um, I don't know, I'll, I'll speak – I was going to say something, but I'll speak to that on another point because there's some more questions, and I think that will link into that better. So okay. go ahead. Let me ask you this, um, and it, it, it's kind of one of those superficial questions, but I like this question. So uh, I believe all super, uh, I believe entrepreneurs have that one superpower, kind of like that that certain super focus of expertise that you were talking about earlier. I feel like yep. all entrepreneurs have that. What's yours and why? I, I when you said superficial, I thought you were going to ask <laughs> Star Wars versus uh, Star Trek. But okay, let's go deep. You wanted to go deep. Okay, okay, we're going deep now. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, having too much fun question. with this, man. <laughs> but I love it. I love it. It's all good. It's all good. In our in our culture, now this is gonna sound like I'm cussing, but it's mm-hmm. not. And my we have a word in our language, fakafanongatanga. Gotcha. What it means is the, is the power to establish family relationships. Okay. And what that means is that by conversing with someone, you should be able to establish their genealogical links to yourself. You should be able to know where they're from. You should be able to know who their family and what their what their background is. I believe my superpower is is that when I hear I can apply that on a business level so that's why you'll notice how in times past I would have sent you random messages on Facebook saying hey um, do you know so and so or what do you do because I have I have a mental list of, of businesses that could work together if they had the opportunity I hear that and that's my and so my power is is to look at different businesses different people and then marry them in a business in a business way. So I, I can see the links. Um, almost like Leo gets of Lethal Weapon, gotcha. but not, but without the cheesiness and without the frog. <laughs> you know? But nah, you know, gotcha. I, I know guys who know guys, and if you want to get something, I can help you get it. But not so much. 
yeah so it's it's yeah it's it's the ability to link people that's that's me obviously i know you use social media because that's how we we've connected so but let me ask you this how have you uh and and try not to bash twitter like you normally do but uh uh, 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 but uh How how have you when 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 you had the resale business or when you when you're uh, delving into your the online courses that you talked about earlier and stuff like that? Uh, how do you how would you advertise? Are you are you use social media? Is it more word of mouth or what's the game plan there? The New Zealand experience in social media is quite different to that of the United States. Okay, so. Just to give you a bit of background, back in the so 2006, when social media was coming into New Zealand, mm-hmm. Bebo was actually the biggest uh, social media site in New Zealand. Uh, my MySpace was seen by the majority of people as being too weird, too complicated. Um, Facebook started to come into the scene about 2007, 2008, but it still suffered the fate of being too weird, too complicated. Gotcha. When uh, when Bebo became you know, a, a front for like catfishing and um, just a whole lot of BS. A lot of people gotcha. moved away from Bebo ah. and then jumped onto Facebook. Okay. You know? and, it, and that's when Bebo no longer became a way to communicate with people. So gotcha. from uh, from 2006 to 2012, I did no – well, I did some social media experimentation and it was Bebo-based. Um, mm-hmm. The main reason that I got a Bebo account was so that I could see if I could use it as a front to promote the ebook that I had at the time, um, Kaya Te Rangatira. It was a, um, a Māori, Māori language guidebook to help people um, learn te reo Māori. That's how we call it our, our language. Gotcha. Um, and there were no sales that came from it. There was no traffic. So I was like, nah, stuff this. It's, it's, it's idiotic. Gotcha. So uh, my next social media dive was into youtube um and that what i realized is that um social media could be used interestingly but i I didn't quite know how to turn it into sales and so my very first my very first youtube channel to this day has probably had over almost two hundred thousand views and that was promoting um like obscure content that was very hard to access at that time um namely music in my language mm-hmm. um and so my my latest youtube um channel it's in the past year it's had about three thousand views in total over 60 videos and so um what i'm saying is that in my um initially i had no success when i was running my demonstration business we did not use social media in any form because it it I didn't need it to make a sale. Um, I would, I would rather just either use networks or personal contacting to find my clients. And, um, my reputation was such that a lot of people just called on me anyway. Okay. And so I I didn't need to use social media. And I think that, um, social media is overrated these days because there, if you look at the, the demographics that spend the most money, Mm-hmm. The majority of them are active social media users. So if we look at um, people between retired people who are affluent between the ages of 65 and 100, mm-hmm. they don't use social media much. Right. But right. They, that, that demographic actually has the most money right. out of anyone in the world because they've got assets. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of them live off pensions, so their cash flow ain't so tight, but they are asset rich. Right, absolutely. So, so if 
Now, in my um, demonstration business, because the majority of people that I was um, that I served were either in that demographic or they were in the um, between the ages of 35 to 60 demographic. Um, again, not so much on the social media, but still heavy hitters in social media. Mm-hmm. Um, my customers just didn't use it, and because my customers didn't use it, I had no need for it. Whereas with my with my books and with um, with the I guess the online course that I'm creating, I will be heavily using social media. Um, I'll be investing, you know, more into Facebook advertising okay. because the demographic that I'm aiming for now, which is um, people between the ages of 25 to 40, right? They're the power. They're the power players in social media, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. You know? So social media is to that 25 to 40 age bracket as the color TV was for the previous generation. Fair enough. Fair enough. Nice connection there, man. That, see, I guess that so, is your superpower, man. The most important thing is that you have to go where your, where your customers are. Right. And if your customers are, don't, you know, that's why I don't use Snapchat because my customers, uh, I know who my customers are. And my cu- majority of my customers would see Snapchat as a pointless, useless gimmick. Right. Um, I, I don't. My customers won't use Twitter actively. Right. They will be like me. They will be Facebook junkies, mm-hmm. and they will just be. They will see information the same way as an ant sees a pile of Oreo crumbs. <laughs> so that's gotcha. my customer. Gotcha. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Um, okay. Uh, in your in your um, in your resale business and in the in the uh, and also in the uh, network marketing with the Amway. And I guess Amway will kind of qualify as this. I guess I'm trying to paint the picture for Startup Nation about how when you start a business, um, you kind of have uh, partners from time to time or you have like third party vendors or stuff like that. Have you ever yep. had experience sure. with stuff like that? So and if you have, explain oh, that yeah, process yeah, if yeah. you would. Yeah. Sure, sure. Um, so if we look at, um, I guess I'll break it business by business. So with the resale business, I had my wholesaler. Gotcha. So I, I would buy my stock through him because I, I didn't have – I wasn't a big enough business to have a wholesale account with with the bigger distributors. Gotcha. So you know, because of that, I had to go through a smaller distributor that would do business with me. And so if you look at, um, if you look at the electronics world, it's basically a ladder, right? right. So um, when it comes to the distribution of computer electronics, number one in the game is Ingram Micro. Oh, okay. Okay. Ingram Micro, they they are they are the Walmart. If if you do not do business directly with Ingram Micro, then you are small fry. And then below Ingram Micro are the people are the smaller distributors. So in um, New Zealand, we have one called Cinex. Um, we've got one called Dove. Um, and so, right, you've got those guys, and most of those will have mm-hmm. some form of retail outlet. Gotcha. Whereas the, the big heavy hitters like like Ingram, they will not deal with the public whatsoever. Gotcha. Right. You walk into their offices, they don't even have a cash register, right? Oh wow. So yeah, they, that's how big they are. They're just you know, um, like for example, the printer company Epson. They don't deal directly with the with the public. You have to buy their stuff directly through Ingram Micro or through one of the other smaller companies because. Epsom don't have the um, distribution facilities, whereas Ingram does. Gotcha. In fact, in New Zealand, 
and in, for most countries in the world, Microsoft, if you buy Microsoft, it's all bought through Ingram Micro. Yeah, so, you know, so, and I was, so Ingram Micro level, then you've got the middle level, and then you've got the, the small players that deal with the intermediate players. I was right at the bottom. Mm-hmm. I was right at the bottom. And so I would, I couldn't get the good prices. Absolutely. I thought that I could undercut on price. Mm-hmm. But because I was so low on the ladder, I realized that I would the only real way that I could do things would be through customer would be through awesome customer service. Gotcha. But in the but in the resale game, especially with computer electronics in New Zealand, the majority of the players have direct access to those big players. So I could never beat them on price, and they were right. making more money. So I could um I, I would never be able to you know have enough money coming in to deliver that awesome customer service because customer service costs a lot of money if you want to do it right. Right. Fair enough. Um, so um, there, there's that example of having third-party vendors, my distributors. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was in um, Amway, now, all network marketing companies say this. And it's the biggest lie in – well, one of the biggest lies in network <laughs> marketing. Two words, no selling. Got you. And you, okay. you, you hear people in MLM say it all the time, oh, no selling. And I just look at them and think to myself – as soon as you ask me for my money, there's a sale. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you right. know, it's there's a and, and because I'm a salesperson, I'm a customer service person. I I know a sales pitch when I see one. Right. And so what they do is that in the network marketing game, they are essentially manufacturers that outsource the distribution of their products to the people within the the network marketing group. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, the majority of people in network marketing don't see themselves as distributors, but they are. <laughs> they, they are, you know. Right. And, and if they call themselves a distributor, they don't even understand really what that means. And it's like, what you have – and yeah, so when you're in that network marketing space, everything is on you. You have to do your own marketing. You have to do your own advertising. You have to do your own distribution. You have to do your own sales. Um, luckily, in the Amway space, you don't really have to handle the sales transaction side of things. Um, they've made a lot of changes recently that enable that make it way easier for people that are in an Amway business. But it, it's it's all distributorship. And even then, a lot of the products, um, especially in companies like Amway, they're sourcing from third parties and they're on selling them through you. Right. So in the network marketing game, they try and they don't talk about that part, that aspect of the business. Right. They do philosophically, but they don't really nail it down operationally. And so a lot of people are in the game thinking, oh, yeah, we're cutting out the middleman. Um, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, we're building a billion-dollar business that was endorsed by Donald Trump. You notice how n- nobody in ACN is talking about Donald Trump no more? Who's You know, remember when, when ACN was being endorsed by Donald Trump? Everybody was talking about it. I remember Now that, that he's president. Nobody in ACN wants to talk about Donald Trump. Nobody's talking about it. So it's like how nobody's talking about how Betsy DeVos is in the network marketing game. Right. Nobody's talking about it. Gotcha. Point of the show where you, if you got like, you know, if you want to promote uh, your ebook, if you want to promote, you know, your courses that you come up, the floor, the floor is yours, man, to advertise and whatever you put out there, your social media credentials as well. 
uh, we'll have it in the show notes for people to like easy access to click and stuff like that. So cool as. So uh, my name is Bronson Edward Pirich. Look me up on uh, Bronson E. Pirich, the author on Facebook. Um, look us up on the Chrysalis as well. That's our business group. Look us up uh, the Chrysalis on YouTube. Um, we have a channel there. And um, the main thing I want to put out there is that I've written a book called Purple Cow Burgers. Mm-hmm. Want to do when your business dies. Um, business failure is inevitable. Every business at some point is going to fail. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter whether, whether it's within the first five minutes, the first five years, or the first 500. All businesses are doomed to fail, but it's what you do. Absolutely. So I've written a book all about So purplecowburgers.com, $9.99, um, pay by PayPal. You get the book delivered to you. You learn how I built up businesses. You learn how my businesses fail, and you learn how to recover because recovering is what makes you an entrepreneur. Absolutely. And, and there's a link for for them to go straight to that to purchase the book, correct? That's right. As soon okay. as they go on purplecowburgers.com, there's a buy button. All right, cool. And, and, and Startup Nation, there, there there should be a link in the, in the show notes for you to click for easy access to purchase Purple Cow Burger. So, and last question, man. Any parting advice for an aspiring entrepreneur, man? Get a good numbers, man. Get a good numbers, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. You need a, you need a numbers, man. Absolutely. You need a numbers, man. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. That's it. All right. So, man, that's it, man. That's going to conclude this episode of The Startup Life, man. Thank you so much, man. My friend from the future, Bronson, man. I appreciate you coming on the show, dude. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Here's my final take. When it comes to Bronson, he is the entrepreneur's entrepreneur. I mean, I was honestly tempted to just turn the microphone and just let him talk the entire episode because his content, his value that he brought to Startup Nation was so great that I think we're going to have to have him on the show again in the future. Also, before we cut out today, shout out to my good friend Mo, who actually set up this interview. We were actually in a Facebook discussion, and he was like, man, you should put Bronson on the show. And here we are. So, Mo, I appreciate that, man. If you want to let us know what you think about the show or like to advertise on our show, send us an email to the address in the show notes. Subscribe to The Startup Life, as it can now be heard on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Also, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Owls LLC. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life. Yeah.